so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. So empowerment, knowledge, you expect from me advice and information you can trust. And there are times that you feel like something you've heard me say either omitted important information or that I just missed the mark or I'm just plain wrong. And that's why at Clark.com, we have the Clark Stinks Forum where you can go post where I've infuriated you or disappointed you. And others get to read your posts. They get to add to them, agree with you, disagree with you, whatever. And this is a very important way for me to improve what I do to serve you. Well, once a week, producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. We're going to start with this one. Uh, I just heard Clark talk about how he and his family are going to give foster kids presents instead of themselves at Christmas. That is great, but we know Clark is a multimillionaire with his radio syndication show and book deals. And this sounds great, but his family is not doing without. Get real. I am below the, the poverty line according to federal guidelines, and I try my best to help people that I can help. Uh, I am happy that you've made good decisions in life, but do not act like you are middle class or less. Well, I think that regardless of someone's position or station in life, that there's important learning to give to your children. And it's one thing to take your kids and, and go do something for others, but it's another when your kids have something they were expecting or hoping for that they don't get and explaining to them that the reason they're not getting it is because the funds that would have gone to that are going to others who are in greater need. I and mean, My kids aren't in need at all. They just had wants. So they're all on board with it too. So I think that it is important as parents to truly communicate that giving is more important and more valuable than receiving. And that's just what we've done as a family and everybody's cool with it. This certainly is not to condone the recent slip-up by Marriott in their data breach, but to correct a statement Clark made in yesterday's podcast about the breach. He stated that it was second only to the Equifax data breach. However, many other sources actually point to the number that the number one offender was Yahoo, not Equifax. I agree that Equifax has never paid the price for the severity of its breach, but the number of users affected by Yahoo's breaches were several times more. Thanks for all you do. 100% correct about the raw numbers of people affected in the Yahoo breach. The Yahoo breach, the information contained in it, required multiple steps of work on a criminal's part to really engage in mischief. And so that's why I don't rank the Yahoo breach that affected, I forget how many billions of people, it was in the billions, above the Equifax breach, which was only... 155 or 7 million Americans, whatever it was, because the number keeps moving around a little bit. Let's just say 155 million people. But the depth of information in the Equifax breach was so thorough 
And then to add insult to injury, the report from the Congress that found that the Equifax breach was because of egregious failures at Equifax to implement even the most basic security standards on the information they have on all of us. Why would I put Marriott second? It affects three times plus the number of people as the Equifax breach, but the information available to the criminals was extensive, much more so than the Yahoo breach, but they're all bad. And as I shared recently, it's the cumulative effect of all these breaches that criminals are now learning to take information from this one and that one and the other one and the other one and be able to cause more harm to people than just from any one breach. The Marriott is just like additional icing on the cake for the crooks. The one about a one-cent burger was a real whopper. Clark, I've heard some fish stories in my day, but the one about the one-cent burger was a real whopper. You recently mentioned a humorous promotion where Burger King is giving a one-cent whopper to anyone who uses their app to order it, as long as they are standing near a McDonald's at the time. As they refer to ring-fenced, whatever that means. As funny as that sounds, turns out the joke was on me. The other night I was forced to fend for my own dinner while my wife was out Christmas shopping. I haven't been in a Burger King since before the smartphones were invented, but I went ahead and downloaded the app, stopped in McDonald's parking lot, and unlocked the one-cent Whopper promotion. I was even greeted with a congratulatory message telling me all I had to do now was order my Whopper within an hour and go enjoy. Just make my selection and the app would automatically apply the promo. I did just that and even added an order of chicken tenders, figuring I was getting such a good deal, why not throw them a little business? Well, upon getting home, I had my dinner and glanced at the receipt and nearly choked when I saw the total charges amounted to $10.01. They got me for full price on both items, and at over $10 set a new personal record for a single meal at a fast food chain. I felt taken and said as much in my complaint to them, to the BK Corporate. The reply, an apologetic email that suggested I simply dispute the charge of my credit card company. No, I'll just eat this one. It was a $10 lesson and still easier to swallow than their so-called tenders. <laughs> Keep up the good fight, Clark. But if you want to bring us in on a joke, just be warned that some of us might be the ones getting trolled. Chris. Chris, I am so sorry. I've not heard of anybody who got burned like you did. And um, for Burger King's answer... At corporate is, well, just dispute the charge on your credit card. That is a lame, lame answer. What they should have done is said, hey, we'll send you some free Whopper vouchers so you can have more food free on us to make up for our bad. I've got a fast food theme going in these three posts, just FYI. For someone who realizes the value in investing in one's future by sacrificing more money now for greater payback later... I have to say how disappointed I am that you do not apply the same logic to other things where likewise the importance of investment now for payback later is not only in your listeners' best interests, but also critical. In this case, I'm talking about health and your repeated promotion of unhealthy food, such as fast food, as a short-sighted way to get quote-unquote deals. Our country already has a health epidemic with the rates of diabetes, heart disease, and so on climbing, as well as the skyrocketing costs of health care. You really need to think long-term when it comes to eating and not short-term. Is it really worth those one-cent trash burgers from the bottom of the barrel restaurants out there if they're going to contribute to perhaps needing tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars resulting in resulting health care later in life? So I can't disagree with 
what you've said overall that we as Americans need to eat a lot healthier than we are. Um, I, I travel roughly two out of three weeks and I can give you eyewitness reports as I travel that a lot of people are carrying more weight than they should and are not as healthy as they should be. So I think everybody recognizes that there are two things we as Americans need to do. We need to learn to exercise and we need to improve our eating. And you don't go from eating the way uh, maybe I do to being a vegan in a week, but the idea is the trend is your friend, but it's not for me to be the food police. You did a good job right there yourself. The best way to gauge the best real estate representative is not by the number of signs in any given area. That's like saying the best hamburger is McDonald's because they're everywhere. What is this? The fast food it's my week? Theme, I told I'm you. telling you. Proliferation of real estate signs more likely reveals the name on the sign probably has an abundance of assistants who do the branding and marketing. It does not reveal the individual who will diligently market a home with solid relationships to the community and inside knowledge of an area. The better option is to go to widely known realtor websites and read reviews. Ask members of the community by finding out that that community's social media page and search realtor recommendations. Nextdoor can be helpful. Interviewing the name on the sign, if you can get an appointment, can be a great way to amass information and is certainly useful, but it's certainly not the best way to choose the best realtor representative. I love your additional suggestions, and that is really a better answer than I gave on the air, and I appreciate that. And the next door angle is something that I forget sometimes, and it's become a very valuable resource for people to get an early warning of a pattern of crimes in your area and also things that your neighbors may be trying to unload at a great deal and advice about how to choose an agent that knows your area, that farms your area. Wonderful suggestion. And in some cases, great entertainment as well, at least on my next door. <laughs> oh, some of the arguments? Yeah. Oh, man, some of the arguments on our neighborhood next door, I cannot believe. Hi, Kristen Clark. Twice this year, Clark fielded two calls inquiring about his reading material, which he revealed in detail. The first time, he received an unmerited Clark Stinks. Not from me, of course. This time, he gets a thank you for sharing praise as I enjoyed his answer and as I read some of the same sources he does and have checked out the other ones he has mentioned that I wasn't reading as well. Tony Erlanger in Kentucky. Or er, Tony in Erlanger, Kentucky? I'm not sure if that's his last name or the town. <laughs> sorry, Tony, and sorry, Erlanger, if I screwed that up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. A lot of people ask me when I'm out and about, what is it I read every day? And it is a wide variety of things, but I've got my natural go-tos every day, and I shared a lot of those with you on the air as I was asked. Dear Clark, I've been listening to you for years and respect you immensely, but you hit a nerve when you mocked dog walkers during your holiday tipping segment. I say this because I am in the military and work long hours. I'm often away from home on days, from days, weeks, or months at a time. My husband works long hours as well, and we use a dog walker to help break up the day for our beloved dog, Cookie. You mentioned that you prefer to bond with the dog, but you, did you stop to think that people who use dog walkers may do so out of necessity, vice's desire? I do not relish in the fact that I use a dog walker right now, but I will tell you that ours has been a godsend and that we hired one only temporarily while I am on a Navy ship that is frequently out to sea. 
While I'm on a Navy ship, I will continue to use a dog walker to make life just a little bit better for our wonderful dog. Your faithful listener, Teresa. I'm sure and her dog, Cookie. Teresa and Cookie, thank you uh, for your service to our great nation. And the dog walker thing, it was all those things on the list that were in the category of mys. So here's my bias. You know, everybody comes at things based on their own experience. So my late mom, uh, later in her life, lived in this fancy building. And there were all these dog walkers that the owners in the building, it was a high rise, really couldn't be bothered with going out and walking their dogs. So they pay these people to go out and rain and cold weather and blazing hot sun and all that to walk the dogs. So that was where that came from. It's just a gripe of mine. And I, I failed to be sensitive on the topic when I talked about it. Clark did a segment about car dealers offering people excessively long-term financing. He said that person at the dealership who is in the fi- who's in the finance department, who's being your hero, they're really a goat. I don't think this is strictly an appropriate use of the goat idiom. If Clark is like me, he first encountered the expression in Peanuts comics. Charlie Brown drops the ball in a big game and goes on from hero to goat. He is, hero is self-explanatory, and goat means the person on whom he, to place the blame, the scapegoat. I think there's a connotation that the acrimony isn't necessarily deserved and that the goat was doing the best he could and simply felt short, which may not apply in the case of the finance department. Well, thank you for that post, and I just want you to know that with the car loan thing, please, just because somebody says you can take out a loan for like the last third of your life or something to pay for a car doesn't mean you should do it. Remember the rule. If you can't afford the monthly payment on a 42-month loan or shorter, you're buying more vehicle than your budget can really handle. I appreciate all your posts. Please let me hear from you. Go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and please let me know how I can serve you better. Jordan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you, Jordan. You got an either-or dilemma to throw my way, don't you? I do, yes. That's right. Let's hear. Well, I'm in a a fortunate situation. I basically have an emergency fund built up, and... Um, I'm putting money away for retirement, and I'm kind of deciding with the uh, extra money that I have, do I put that extra money toward paying more on my home mortgage, or do I put that extra money to putting more money toward retirement, or maybe a little bit of both? Nope. It goes towards retirement. Okay. Because I had a feeling you might say that, but I wanted to run it by you. How long ago did you buy your home? Well, I bought it in 2007. Um, I've refinanced twice. The last time was in 2015, and that was a 20-year mortgage. Oh, um, so you're probably at a really low rate, too. Yeah, 3.75%. Yeah, so, so with a rate in the threes, I want all your effort to be putting money into retirement accounts. So do you have a retirement plan at work? I do. Um, I have a 401k at work, and then I have a a Roth IRA personally as well. All right. So the goal should be to get to where you max out the Roth and ultimately max out the 401k. Both of those things would come well before paying down on the mortgage. Okay. Because your mortgage is paying as agreed. You got a good rate. You have been very aggressive about refinancing through the years. And so 
getting as much money as you can piled into those retirement accounts is what creates versatility for you financially. And think about it, you own your house free and clear, can't eat your house. Right. You've got to have the cash. And that's why the money going in, the Roth money will never be taxed again. 401k money, unless you're in a Roth 401k, you're getting the upfront benefit, but you will face tax on that money later. Right. But I would definitely put the emphasis on getting to where you are shoveling more and more money into those retirement accounts. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate that. That's what I'll do then. All right. And best of success to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. By the way, if you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask and post it. You could be with me on the air or you could have Joel asking your question for you on the air. So I want to talk to you about something that is an ever-present issue over the last three years in the United States, and that is when someone wants to go buy a home for the first time, it is really, really difficult in much of America to find a first home that you can afford. There is plenty of inventory if you're into buying a really, really high-end home. And there are a number of factors that have caused that. One in particular are restrictions that communities have put in place on minimum lot size and minimum square footage. It has pushed builders in a direction with the costs they have up front for the land and the square footage and the permits and all the rest that builders have a huge incentive to build big, expensive homes, and no marketplace incentive in much of the country to build what are usually referred to as starter homes or homes for first-time home buyers. Now, there are solutions to it, but some of the solutions are very controversial. One that has long been in place in the nation's fifth largest metro area, I think is what Houston is, is a general lack of zoning. And so the use of land is completely determined by free market. And whatever would be the most efficient, sixth largest, okay, whatever would be the, thank you, Joel, whatever would be the most efficient use of that piece of property is what gets built there. Now, Houston zoning is extremely controversial with some people because it means that you could be in a residential neighborhood and suddenly have a convenience store pop up between two homes. And that's just the way it works. But the advantage of the Houston system is it eliminates so much of local political corruption that comes from zoning. Also, it makes the availability of housing more affordable, significantly more affordable, than it would be otherwise. But the thing of having no control over what's built around you really does upset a lot of people, and that's why we have so much zoning going on around the U.S. Well, there's been a big fight in Minneapolis 
about going somewhere between what Houston has done and what's typically done in the United States is Minneapolis now has adopted new zoning rules that allow you as a builder to build pretty much uh, within limits any housing you want to in any neighborhood, even if prior that neighborhood had really tight restrictions on uh, square footage of homes, land that must be purchased to put that home on and all that as a way of opening up more affordable housing in the Minneapolis area. And, you know, I don't, I don't really have the right answer to this, but I can tell you if we look at it as a good thing for people starting out to be able to buy their first home, extremely tight zoning restrictions put a fork in that and it becomes very burdensome for someone who wants to buy a a home to be able to do so when there are so many roadblocks in the way including strict zoning restrictions but as I've shared with you recently one of the things that will make housing a lot more affordable is if we use modern construction methods that are used in every other developed country in the world except in the United States to construct housing. And that's why our housing to construct per square foot has become so inefficient and so much more expensive to produce than it is in every other developed country. Susie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Susie. Hi, Clark. Susie, uh, you want to talk about something that struck a cord or a nerve in a lot of Alaskans. I've gotten a lot of response to me talking about why I have, in four visits to Alaska, have never been on the Alaska Railroad. I didn't realize so many people were wondering, but... Um, yeah, I got, I got some pretty strong responses that uh, some along the lines I was being too much a cheapskate because I'm missing such a great experience. <laughs> Well, you know, the one thing about that it's never going to happen to you on the railroad is you won't get a flat tire. Oh, you had to go there. <laughs> I listen closely every morning. So, so you, you know the story that I left my wife and my uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law stranded on, I think it's Alaska Route 8. You know, we have names for all our roads up here, and yeah. then eventually, a couple of years ago, they numbered them. And honestly, I don't know what the numbers are. It may have been the Denali Highway. Okay. It goes east-west, and so I left them stranded for six hours after I had two flat tires and only one spare, and these wonderful people from California, a couple, drove me way uh, away from the highway, took me to a place I could get the tire replaced, took me all the way back into the wilderness. My wife and in-laws... Didn't know if they would ever see me again, if I was going to leave them out there for the bears to have as food. Well, luckily, I'm guessing it was summer, so you didn't meet the fate of the other family that uh, didn't fare as well when they got in a snowbank in the middle of the winter. No, it was it was early June. There was still a fair amount of snow around, and it was still cold. Well, what, what we in the lower 48 think is cold. Yeah, you know, I was in San Antonio last week, and there was about five minutes there where San Antonio was having a cold snap while Anchorage was having a warm spell, and I think San Antonio was colder. Isn't that funny? 
Yeah. But you have a special connection to the Alaska Railroad, don't you? I do. It's been some years back, but two of the my favorite summers ever were the two years that I worked as a host guide on the Alaska Railroad. Um, I actually worked for Princess Tours. Um, Princess had um, contracted to have their cars pulled along with the Alaska Railroad cars, uh, which they still do. So if you do choose to ride the Alaska Railroad, you have a couple, three choices. You can either go on the actual um, Alaska Railroad-owned cars, or you can go on uh, Princess Tours, now called Holland America Princess, um, and I, there might be a third, uh, a third um, tour company that has their cars, but the, the trip itself is fantastic. There are places where you will see where the, the there's there's maybe a dozen rail rail crossings where you'll actually see the highway and you'll know that whether you're driving or on the train you'll be seeing that same little patch of scenery. But then there's other places where the road veers away from the rail line and the scenery is just unparalleled. So I need to tell you, it has been a unanimous verdict. If I was being judged by a jury of my Alaska peers, I am just guilty as charged because everybody was, as you said, that this is an experience that is breathtaking and I need to just open up that wallet, take the lock off of it, and spend the money and go on the Alaska Railroad. You do. You know, when when a person plans a vacation... You're, you're getting away from your daily dose of reality, and, you, and that's what, you know, why do we save up money so that we can do something special for ourselves every once in a while? Well, I thank you for sharing this on behalf of your fellow Alaskans, and I, I appreciate that so many people have felt like I was shortchanging myself. So on my fifth visit to Alaska, when that comes, I will open up the wallet. And I'll do it. I promise I will, Susie. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, David. You want to retire early. How early? Well, I'd like to retire. I'm 53 now, and I'd like to retire no later than 60, if, if not earlier. And I just had a question regarding the need to save in both taxable and non-taxable accounts. All of my early savings was done in a non-taxable account. And now I find that I'm scrambling to build taxable investments so that I can draw on some of that money before I'm eligible for to get into those IRAs. Okay, so little known provision, there are ways that you penalty free, and this is something commonly done by people who retire in their 50s, there is an actuarial method where you can withdraw funds from qualified retirement accounts and not pay a 10% early withdrawal penalty, tax penalty. So you want to make sure that you max out what you can do. Do you have eligibility for a 401k where you work? I do, and I invest in that up to the max, up to the match, which is 4%. And then I also, outside of that, save about... 35% 35% of my, my pay, about $60,000 a year. Wow, good for you. So if you're saving outside of a retirement account, I would go back and increase what you're contributing through the employer plan. And does your employer plan offer the choice of both a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k or only traditional? I think they offer uh, both. 
All right, so if they offer a Roth 401k, you definitely want to go into that up to the max that you can contribute each year. And because okay. you have reached your 50th birthday, you're allowed to do catch-up provision and do an additional contribution, I'm trying to remember if it's 6000 more a year. But you definitely want to do that Roth because then the money in it will never be taxed. If you do okay. investments in an outside account, you're going to have to pay capital gains tax. And the beauty with the Roth money is once you uh, retire early, when you, if you need to draw in some of that money, there are multiple strategies where you can pull out your contributions tax and penalty free, just leave your earnings in that you need to live on, and you completely avoid tax. So how do I how do I learn how to how to um, take money out of a qualified IRA without paying penalties before I'm 59 and a half? Okay, so when you get to the point where you are retired, because you know between now you said you're 50 what three 53. So we're talking about six years from now, or five or four, before you're going to retire somewhere in there, right? Yes. I I would not try to. Uh, use your brain power right now to look at the actuarial method because the rules are a moving target. But as a general rule, what will happen is as long as you meet the actuarial requirements of what you take out each year based on your life expectancy, usually uh, as the rules, as I recall the rules are written, for five years you have to do a consistent withdrawal of that amount. On the actuarial basis. Okay. But uh, what I want you to know is there is an advantage, especially if your employer offers the Roth 401k option, you definitely want to be maxing that out. Because again, you're subject to no tax then, and you have the ability to do this thing where you withdraw money you've contributed, and you can do that at any time tax and penalty free. And you just make sure you leave your earnings in there. Now, your employer match always goes into traditional. But if you make your contributions into the Roth version of the 401k, you're building up two piles of money. You've already been putting money in into uh, pre-tax IRAs. I want you to build up some after-tax Roth money. And I want you to change this mix so you're putting less money into investment accounts and more staying under the umbrella that's offered to you by your employer in the Roth 401k because then you're talking tax-free instead of tax advantage and you're at an age where it's going to be very easy for you to take the withdrawals you need and not fall afoul of any penalties for doing it under 59 and a half. This is an area that I would suggest you spend an hour or two of your time and money on someone with Garrett Planning Network at garrettplanningnetwork.com to get someone who can advise you on how to do the things I've just talked through with you. Make it more clear. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. And Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark, Jeff wrote in. He says, have you seen the budget allowance app called Busy Kid? It allows parents to assign money to kids for chores they do, and it auto pays upon completion. And you can designate how much money they have to save, share, and spend. And it's only 15 bucks a year for membership. What do you think? I think it's just fine. It is uh, not an enormous amount of money to pay. It's $15. If you have multiple kids, it's $15 total. And this is available for both Android and iPhone. And so what it is, is it's the way it's designed, in many ways, it's like a modernized version of the three-jar system. We have a jar for a kid's current spending, a jar for saving money, for something they want to buy down the road, and a charity jar. So this is taking that, putting it into the modern era, and on top of it, having it set up where you can have a lot more functions to it than just three jars. All right, Clark, and Melissa wrote in, she says, I was robbed at a gas station yesterday. Oh, I'm so sorry. She said they took everything I had in my car, including my purse, with all my identification. I know, right? Thankfully, I'm okay. It's all replaceable. I wanted to write to you because your website made it so easy to figure out how to place a credit freeze. I just wanted to say thank you for the service you provide to consumers. Well, you know, you looking on the bright side after the trauma of being robbed yesterday, you're really to be commended for that. And I'm glad that we were in a time that was unsettling for you that we were able to be of service. All right, Clark, and Ed wrote in, he says, I have an Amazon Prime membership. I found something on there, a food item. Then I went to check out and was told that the purchase would be shipped from Amazon Pantry and there'd be an additional shipping fee. What do you think about that? Is that bait and switch? Okay, Ed, you put me into a quagmire because it seems like for Amazon, the strategy for Prime Pantry keeps being a moving target. It is something that you have to pay a shipping fee if you spend under the thresholds, even if you are a Prime member. And it is very confusing. Go read the briefing. You might still be steaming, but you'll see it is a whole different way of doing Amazon for grocery kind of items. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.